JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, Stephen Holder joins us. So were you privy to seeing the liked tweets of one Jonathan Taylor within the last hour? Uh, people sent them to me, uh, sent me screenshots of them. So I guess uh, it is what it is. But, but listen, I mean, <laughs> I'll reiterate something. You know, I'll go back to the middle of July, and I was – I, I was worried that maybe I was too far out there by saying it, but I was telling people, I said, when Jonathan Taylor reports to camp, there could be problems. And I didn't take any joy in saying that, but here we are, man. We're, you know, we're six weeks after, you know, those initial reports that I made and this thing is still a mess. Um, and, and that's what I just tweeted just now, just reiterated here after all this, Okay, after all the talk and all of the drama, this thing has basically gotten us to a point where no one won. No one wins here. Jonathan Taylor is not going to make more money. He's not going to be on the field. The Colts didn't accomplish anything either. They don't have their best player, perhaps, on the field on in week one. You know, with their rookie quarterback, that doesn't make them better. So, I mean, it's not my job to judge, you know, to judge who – should have did what and could have did this or that. I mean, we all know that that everyone involved could have handled this differently, but that is my takeaway here is that no one won and this has accomplished nothing. Why why could they not have at least some point as I've called it, massaged the situation and met sort of in the middle. And I will say this about the Colts. I mean, the Colts kind of act like that they have this incredibly talented team and they don't. I mean, you can't just dismiss guys that are the best offensive weapon on your team as easily as clearly the Colts are doing with this. I will say this before before I get to the the meat of your question. I I felt in the offseason this team, you know, I think think like six to eight wins is kind of where I have fallen. And just, you know, just thinking about what they are. But the more training camp went on and the more I saw just the lack of depth with this team, I felt worse about it (laughs) by the day. So I'm with you. And so anyway, you know, why couldn't they figure this out? I I don't know. We saw other examples of teams and players who were unhappy figuring things out. We, We saw it. We saw multiple instances of that around the league. I mean, there were different situations. I, I understand that. They were different. Jo- Josh Jacobs' situation was different. He had some leverage because he was 
on the franchise tag and, and had not signed it, so he's not under contract. So he had some leverage. But he also had a lot of money sitting on the table, and, and the leverage for the Raiders was, hey, you want to get paid, better show up. And so Saquon Barkley, kind of a similar situation there. And he didn't gain very much, but if anything, at least it's an olive branch. You know what I'm saying? Even if you figure, oh, they just they gave him you know, some BS incentives and it's only like a million bucks. But it's an olive branch. It's something. It massages things a little bit. And so the Raiders did the same with Josh Jacobs. They said, look, we'll throw you a bone. And that's all it was. It was a bone. But, you know, a $2 million bone is worth something or whatever it was, right? So, uh, you know, we saw the Cowboys do that, right, with their with their big offensive linemen. So, I don't know. And I, I really do think everybody could have taken – different paths in this situation. And it, it is unfortunate. And and the last thing I'll, I'll say before I shut up is, you know, Jonathan Taylor's gotten kind of dumped on throughout this and, and he hasn't, he doesn't come out of this smelling good either. But, but I would also add, I don't think it's fair to just look at his position and say, ah, this is unreasonable. I mean, look, Shaq Leonard, got a contract extension when he was sitting on the PUP list and they didn't know what his deal was. Okay. And then Quentin Nelson got a contract extension the year after he was completely beat up. So I get it. You know, I I understand where he's coming from. Uh, That doesn't mean he had leverage. It doesn't mean that they should cave. I'm just, I'm just stating facts. These are facts. Yeah. I'm curious. Does Jonathan Taylor, does it look bad because no team, and, and, and clearly the Colts set a price tag that nobody was going to meet. Completely but w- was there also a shot across the bow of okay, um, put it out there. We'll put it out there for you, but you know the, these teams aren't going to you know be jumping at your door to meet our price tag. Therefore, this is your worth. And they, I mean, was this was there a little back and forth going there too? I don't know if you would call it gamesmanship. I don't know if you would just call it kind of mm-hmm. you know, dirty dealing. I don't know what you would call it. What would you call it? It was a weird deal. I'll say this. I mean, you don't see this very often. It does happen from time to time. And the most notable recent case, I think, is Tyreek Hill, yeah. where the Chiefs said, we are never paying you that amount of money. And, but if you can find, some, if you can find a deal where, that we can live with and you can find somebody to pay you, knock yourself out. So Drew Rosenhaus, to his credit, went to work and he found somebody. Now, that was a wide receiver in his prime. This is a running back at a time when that position is completely devalued. So, so this was a really tough position to be in if you are Jonathan Taylor's agent. You got to go out there, you got to drum up the interest, you got to find the deal, and you got to find somebody willing to pay him as well, because otherwise, what's even the point? So, you talk about everything working against you. Yeah, it, it was. That being said, I, I'll tell you look, I mean, the talks with Miami, they were like super legitimate. Like, really legitimate. And there were some names thrown out there. I'm not going to say the names because a lot of times this stuff gets lost. No, I I think you should and blame it on me. Blame it on me. (laughs) But look, I mean, they, they were, I think there was some, there was some willingness on the Dolphins part, but I don't think the, I don't think the needs of, of the players they were throwing around lined up with the Colts needs. Or let me let me rephrase that. The needs of the Colts didn't line up with what they were putting on the table. So you know? how how robust how robust were the offers coming from Miami? 
And I don't were, know what they were offering from a pick perspective. I don't think they got to – I think it was – let's put it this way. I, I think I think the Colts would have would have been very interested if you get to a, a second-round pick and a good player. I think that – might have had the potential to get it done. Just I don't have all the information. I'm just going based on. Do you think they got lowballed? Do you think the Colts were getting lowballed? Uh, a little. I, mean, I, mean, I guess you would have to be if if, if, right you, word, if you set the price tag at a number one, then I guess you'd have to get lowballed because nobody was going to meet it and well, you knew right. it. Right. If you tell me you want two million dollars for your house and then I go look at it and I'm like, okay, well this thing's worth five hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to offer you five hundred thousand dollars. It was just what it, it is. What it is. So that's what this is. I don't call it lowball because they were offering what they think is reasonable. The other thing here is we are. Let's also acknowledge we are in late August. Okay, so minimal a minimal number of teams even have the money. A minimal number of teams have the willpower to do it right now. And then you know, just your roster is where it is. You've spent all off season building your rosters, and so now when you come in late August and tell me, hey, if you can find a trade, go for it, <laughs> well, it's the worst time to find a, a big blockbuster trade, you know? So, look, I mean, everyone with eyes could tell that this was – there were many obstacles to this thing from the beginning, but that doesn't mean that if the Colts wanted to do it, they couldn't do it. They, they could have done a deal. There, was, there were deals to be done, but – Whatever compensation was offered, they just they couldn't live with it. And I, I get it. That's totally fine. So we're talking active players, like active players more than picks is what you were hearing? Uh both. Both. Okay. It would be it would be a combination. it would have been a combination is what I was expecting. If it was gonna happen, I thought it was gonna be a combination player and pick or picks, hey, whatever it ended up being. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com joins us. I know you got uh you gotta go a little bit earlier than normal, so no, I wanna well, run it, it ended up being a little quieter. Uh, okay. So, yeah, well, if you got if you got more time, I, I got a lot for you. Yeah. I, I got a lot for you. And why do you believe that you know through extending Leonard, through extending Nelson, you know, even giving Naheem Hines an extension and going all the way back to giving Luck twenty five million dollars as a parting gift? Why organizationally have they drawn the line in the sand here with Jonathan Taylor? I think you're asking the right question. And and it's it is interesting. Now and they didn't just extend those guys. They gave them market changing deals. Okay? Let's let's be clear about what they did. It's not just that they extended them. They gave them landmark contracts. Okay? So I am not suggesting that, that Jonathan Taylor should get a landmark contract, but but to not engage him at all I mean, I'm not surprised that he had a, a bad reaction to it. I'm not saying the reaction was proportionate. The Colts wouldn't say that it was. But, I mean, if you're surprised that Jonathan Taylor's pissed off, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right? I just don't know what to tell you because of the precedent that's been set. And, and I keep hearing from people, well, eh, he should trust them. They have a precedent. They've paid their guys. And they're leaving people who say that they're leaving out one part of that story, though. That's what you just said. They have they have set a different kind of precedent, which is to pay guys before the end of those rookie contracts. Now, I, I think to your to your question, why? A couple things is what I think. 
Um, or there, there's a couple possibilities, put it that way. A couple of those deals did not work out ideally for Chris Ballard, right? I mean, we could make that argument. How do we feel about what the value they've gotten from Shaquille Leonard so far? I mean, I think they did the right thing at the time. I don't think they knew that he would have two years of, of injury complications at the time. But but you could see how maybe that makes you gun-shy. I will tell you, there are people who work for other teams who who think that. They think that may be part of this, that Chris Ballard got gun-shy. Fair, it's, a, it's a fair question. You know, I can't answer it. Only he can answer that, he being Chris Ballard. Uh, the, the other thing at work here is – there's there's this kind of like philosophical shift going on here, and I, I want Chris Ballard to explain it more fully tomorrow. He's going to talk to us. And I want him to explain this a little more. He alluded to it in his initial press conference when training camp started. You might recall he said, look, you know, we got a new coach, and, and you know, it's, uh, it's an evaluation year, well, all that. Uh, okay, but, I mean, like teams hire new coaches all the time and, and bring in – you know, new coordinators and so forth, and they still re-sign good players. I don't know what the hell that has to do with anything. I think that's, I think that's kind of a, a strange answer. So I don't know. That if, you, if you don't want to pay the guy right now, that is fine. But, I'm, but to your point, the, the rationale for it is where I have questions, and, and that's what I think is interesting. Well, yeah, and yeah, the whole change in philosophy thing, I would say after six years is about damn time, and that's okay. I just don't know if, again, I would draw the line in the sand with this guy right now if he's healthy. And then and second, they have plenty the, of money, by the way. Plenty, plenty, plenty of money. money. It just, I mean, yeah. it just it, it, it looks like you believe that you're something that you aren't. And then, by the way, did I look right on the rock? They have four wide receivers. Did I look because at that they only right? Have four worth keeping, John. What are they doing? What is this change in philosophy? That's that's their old philosophy. <laughs> they only have four worth keeping. I think they're going to pick somebody up. Yeah, what good. I'd hope so. <laughs> and, you know, I, I actually, when I did my my fifty three man projection that they make us do, which really just sets you up for ridicule. I, I don't know why bosses make us do this, <laughs> yeah. but anyhow, when I did mine, I'm I'm telling you, I'm sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, I only like four of these guys. Uh, at wide receiver, I was I was sitting there trying to get up the nerve to only keep four, but I said, ah, they'll probably just keep a, keep a fifth just because, and I should have just did it because I was right. Well, they, they mean, kept twenty seven tight ends though, I guess, right? That's the right move though. I like yeah. the tight ends. I actually think that's where their that's where their their pass catching talent really is. It's at tight end and. It'll be up to them to develop those guys. They're not there yet. They're, none of those guys are really finished products, but but the upside is in that room. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, they they really got to get a lot out of those you know few wide receivers they have because man, it's it's a short list right now. My thought is this: I think that that and again they're going to make other moves. I understand this, but as I I view it right now with all that is involved, they have completely to me set their inexperienced 20-year-old rookie quarterback up for an absolute mess of a rookie season. Well, uh, look, all you had to do is watch the Philadelphia game last week. Who made a play for him? Name one. Name yeah. a person who made a play for Anthony Richardson. Yeah, guys that are supposed to. Name somebody that gets open. They don't have wide receivers that can get open still. It, it was disappointing. It was really disappointing. Against and twos look, and threes. And look, Alex Paris is the guy who can win matchups. He's the guy who runs – 
you know, legitimately 4-4-40 time. And so he's the guy who has to has to beat people one-on-one, and, and he can do that. And then he does it, but he doesn't bring the ball in, and I'm starting to get concerned about it. Like, I mean, I, I'm a big Alec Pierce guy. I, I think he – I think he has the tools, but I mean, you got to do it when the lights are on, man. It is what it is, you know. And 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 I, you can't crown you until you do it, you know. So, I think the pressure's on him. He's got to do it. And then Michael Pittman. I think Michael Pittman has shown us what he is, and what he is is fine. I, I think that's fine. The question is, you know, without a truly elite wide receiver, is that enough? And and that's a question that's yet to be answered. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You know, I mentioned hey, Rick, before before we go on. Can I just yeah. add one? one yeah, go ahead. Sure. On that, just sure. to bring it all full circle. Take this back to Jonathan Taylor. So the one truly elite uh, playmaker that you have is now you know basically going to be sitting on the sideline chewing you know sunflower seeds and pissed off. I'm not saying you placate everybody who's mad, but I'm just saying he's the only, he's the only playmaker they have who has proven himself consistently. And here we are of the plans that they have had in the past three years. This may be right up there and they've had some doozies, Stephen, (laughs) as we're well aware of here. This may be, this may be right up there. I I mentioned that, that tweet that was uh, allegedly liked by Jonathan Taylor. And then he, he uh, unliked it, I guess, is, is what you do uh, as far as holding him. A fan of his said that he was being held hostage. He initially liked it and then took that back. I I already had this. And, you know, I've, I've explained this to you a number of times. I think if the dude got what he wanted or anywhere in the ballpark of what he wanted, he'd be out there in uniform tomorrow playing. I think you've agreed with me on this. How do you, how does one... How does one navigate being healthy by being placed on the reserve PUP list, as as my belief would be? How does that work? Just so, just I, you're not I'll physically you, cleared. I'll give you my my educated opinion on this, okay? Because the reason I can't be more more or talk with more certainty is because we got to hear it from Jonathan Taylor. I feel like, and and until we do, then we can't really say what is you know, what, what is his physical status, right? Because, because it's, he has, he has kind of given them his version and, and all that. So I think we need to hear it from Jonathan, but I would say this, I think that I, I largely agree with you. I think he would certainly be more motivated to be out there. <laughs> I don't think there's any question about yeah. that. Now, now here's the reality though. If the Colts would have activated Jonathan Taylor today, and it's easy to say, Hey, call his bluff, right? Call his bluff and make him go practice. Make him play. And that sounds good, but it's not very difficult for a player to say, hey, I'm hurt, and, and I'm going to challenge you on this. That creates a, a whole can of worms that I don't know. I've never even really dealt with for the most part. Yeah, I think they've opened up every single other can of worms, so why not, That's I guess, true. open that up, right? <laughs> Right. I mean, you talk about it being a mess. I mean, yeah. that's making a bigger mess of it. So, so look, they put him on pup, and and what that does is, is it gives you, you know, it, it kind of buys you some time to figure out. All right, how do we navigate this from here on out? I think it's uh, Stephen Holder who is with us. So, for Jonathan Taylor, 
You get, you know, obviously PUP for four weeks, and he still needs service time. You get service time at the year. At some point, he's got to play someplace, right? At some point? Uh, so that is, yeah, the way I understand it, he's got he's to actually make it to the active roster at some point. I, I can't remember the number of games, but he's got to make it to the active roster at some point. Uh, to get that credited season, look, I mean, he, he'll he'll do what he has to do unless he's a complete idiot. I, I don't anticipate that he that he is. I, I have no indication that he is an idiot. So, so Andre Taylor will get his credited season um, unless you know the Colts. I don't know unless they take this a step further and just don't activate him. I don't know how that works or how that helps anyone, but. I don't anticipate that happening, but but I don't know how we get there is the is the question, right? I mean, at some point, he has to get the will to go out there and say, "All right, I'm going to go play. I'm I'm okay now," and we're not there now. <laughs> I mean, we're certainly not there now. So well, if he feels know. he's being held hostage, that doesn't sound like a dude that's going to get out there anytime soon and do anything. It doesn't seem very motivated to me to get out there. So, so I, I don't know. I, I I'm very. I'm very eager to hear what Chris Ballard has to say about this. And I look, I have asked Chris repeatedly over the last few weeks, you know, without betraying his confidence, the things that he's told me off the record, but I will just tell you my takeaway. The, the question was like, all right, how do you rectify this man? Like you have an unadulterated mess and it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Like that don't care. But I've asked him like, how do you fix this? And I haven't gotten a straight answer on that because I don't think they have one. So, <laughs> great. <laughs> I, I don't know. Great. I don't know that they know. So we'll see. That's we'll see. just great. Where do we begin yeah. on that? I have no idea. I, I mean, think about it, right? What What's the next move for them, right? What do they do? do well, they, we, we have. You, 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 you got to think. Yeah, you, you got to think about it in terms of okay, what can they screw up next? Right? right. I mean, look, you got no offensive line depth. Uh, you got four wide receivers. Your best. Your most productive, your best offensive players on PUP. Uh, you've ostracized. I mean, you've done so much to this team already. What more can you do that's detrimental to the growth of your rookie quarterback, which is what we're all caring about? Yeah, and and then to boot on defense. I don't hate the defense, but I I'm just concerned about some areas of the defense. Like yeah. you know, the, certainly. When you talk about the young corners, like, okay, we're talking in terms of potential there. So a lot, of, I got some pushback when I talked about how thin they were at corner, and like, yeah, I get it. They drafted three of them, but that's just the point. They drafted three of them, and like, of the five corners on the roster, three of them are rookies. <laughs> like, all right, so like, what do you think that's going to look like initially? Yeah, I'd like so, to give them the benefit of the doubt on it, but yeah, that's especially without edge I pressure. See it. So yeah, I gotta see it first, yeah, right? and, and that's the thing. The edge rush. Is the edge rush better than last year? Spoiler, the answer is well, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now you went that great last like year upgraded. either, so yeah. They didn't upgrade it. You know, they have yeah. a bunch of they have a bunch of uh, really physical edge players who I like, but when it's when it's third and eight, I need somebody who's going to smell blood in the water and go get the quarterback. And so, you know, Samson Ebukin – who they brought in from San Francisco, I mean, he is not going to have a Bosa brother on the other side from him. So it's going to be a little different reality here, you know? So I don't know. I, I don't feel better about the edge rush. I, I, so anyway, I don't know. I, I just don't know that 
those things have a direct link, I should say, to you talked about Anthony Richardson. Those things have a direct link to the quarterback's success because they dictate how many points he's going to have to score. <laughs> okay, to be completely honest with you, the answer is maybe a lot. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us. I was just thinking about this the other day, and I don't know if this has been brought up. And now where we are, do you think the Colts would have been more inclined to trade Jonathan Taylor if Jim Irsay would have not made those public declarations about not trading him before the start of the season, not trading him during the season? Would they have been more inclined organizationally to make a deal had it not been for those owners' declarations earlier? Mm-hmm. That is that is a good question. I, I actually think not necessarily because even though this didn't happen, I really believe now, and and I'm talking, I'm saying this based on on what Colts people have told me and Jonathan's camp. I really believe there was a willingness to trade him if the right deal materialized. Now we again, we knew it was going to be tough for that deal to actually come to pass, but I I truly believe uh, that everybody involved was was you know meant this. Um, sincerely, like if, if there was a deal, they'd trade him. I mean, that was, I got every indication that they were legitimately willing to trade him. So, so to your question, I, I don't think Ursay's, you know, sort of statement, I don't think that necessarily is what kept this from getting done. Um, and frankly, their willingness to, you know, to allow Jonathan Taylor to go seek a deal, I think that, that demonstrates it even further. Um, where's Zach Moss as far as recovery time? Something I'm sure you guys will ask Chris Ballard yeah. tomorrow when he meets with you, but where do you think he is now? I'm, I'm guessing he's closer. I mean, they've got, what is it, three backs on the roster, I believe. So uh, you got to think he's close. I, I remember when he first got hurt, that I did hear a little bit different timeline than was initially given by by some reports. I think the initial timeline reported was six weeks. And then someone in the building told me it it could be four to six weeks based on what their people were saying. So, I mean, we'll see. Uh, Four weeks is, I think, like this week or next week. You know, so he could be close. Uh, But but, but even so, I, I think that position, it just doesn't have enough juice for me. Um. You know, I think you have complementary backs on this roster right now. You don't have a true starting running back. I mean, ask the the Buffalo Bills about Zach Moss, right? I mean, they they felt otherwise. So I don't know. That, that's how I see it. Um, it people are going to say, "Hey, you're preaching doom and gloom," and I'm not. I, I think this is something that um, should be reasonably said, and I'll say it. I mean, you look at all the rosters, where we are right now around the NFL, and compare that to the Colts, where would they rank? Mm. Uh, hard to say. I mean, I, I don't think they rank – it depends on how you look at it and what you prioritize. So if you prioritize elite talent – well, they don't have enough of it, in my estimation. And and I think they they rank toward the bottom in that department. Now, there's other ways to evaluate the roster, and I think depth of your roster is another way you can look at it, right? And and I think from that perspective, they've, in the past, actually measured up pretty well at times. I don't think they do this year. 
And so I can't even give them a benefit of the doubt there. And in training camp, I believe, kind of reinforced that, you know, that, that the depth is an issue. Um, you're going to have some young guys who flash. You will have that. That will happen, and it will be it will show promise. That's great. But I think it's going to be a repeat of what we saw in camp, which is they flash, and then they look like a kid <laughs> in the next snap, right? And, and so ultimately what that leaves you with is, not very good results. So, no, yeah, they're they're definitely a bottom half roster, and the only question is, are they like bottom third? You know, obviously bottom half. I, the question is, are they bottom third? And the one thing that can elevate your roster, even if it's bad, is the quarterback. Okay. Now, as much as I love Anthony Richardson and think that he is going to exceed expectations, I do believe that. I can't put that on him yet. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't taken his first snap, and, and it's it, it's there are going to be rough moments. Like let's just let's just accept it. You know, yeah. so that they don't even get a boost there. You know, so it's it's tough, man. I, I actually the good thing about Anthony is that he's he's headstrong because he's going to need it this year. I think <laughs> there is nothing you have to admit more Ballard than right now carrying four wide receivers. There's nothing more Ballard than that. I know it's not going to stay that way, but you yeah. just look at that on paper on the roster right now, and you go, "That's quite hilarious." What, it is. They they wanted them some Jalen Waddle from Miami, and Miami just laughed at them. Okay, <laughs> did they make so they took a swing at Jalen Waddle? I mean, yeah, hell yeah. They're like, you know, Jalen Waddle would really look good in a Colts uniform. <laughs> Come on, you know, that, like, that, I would have grown a, a sports arousal pup tent right here in studio over that. <laughs> the Dolphins just basically were like, okay, we're hanging up now, okay? <laughs> you were hanging up. I mean, you you see, know. that's just another one of those unreasonable things, right? Okay, first rounder or Jalen Waddle? Okay, no. I mean, there's just no way right. that's happening. Again, like I said, I mean, go ahead and put your house on the market, John, for $2 bucks, and let me know what happens. <laughs> hey, give us a couple of days. Is your house $2 million? I don't know. Oh, um, yeah, I just got some really it. sweet landscaping done from Sundown Gardens, man. It makes it look great, dude. Let me tell you. Great. I've hey, never listen. watered. I've never watered plants in my life until the last month. You should see me out see, there that's watering. How you, that's how you get the two million dollar house. You, you really lay, you really lean in hard to the sponsorships. There you go. Anyway, like yes, it. exactly. Oh man, they made it look great. Hey, what are some of the important dates as we we look forward here? I know we got four weeks, and then what are, what are some of these important dates regarding Jonathan Taylor and what might be the sequel coming up here at the end of the month? Yeah. So when he when when that four week window ends they are at that point uh, the Colts are able to to activate him and then he well actually let me rephrase that he goes into the into the the portion of the the period where he can he can practice I believe there's a 21 day window at least that's how it used to be you get a 21 day window you can practice and not count against the 53 man roster just yet and at some point in there they'll need to to actually activate him once they once they start that that clock, they don't have to start it at four weeks. He can stay on there longer, but once the clock starts, then you got those 21 days to actually activate him and move him to the active roster, or he just reverts and, and stays on pup the rest of the year. So that's the other thing. Um, I think beyond that, we're talking about the trade deadline, October 31st. I mean, I do think this is going to be a conversation at the trade deadline. 
Um, I'm not saying they're going to get some great deal, but, you know, depending on how things go between now and then in in terms of the relationship between player and and team, maybe they consider it. You know, I mean, that's when we saw the the Christian McCaffrey deal done last year with, with San Francisco. So circumstances change, you know, over, over, you know, six or eight weeks and, and, you know, teams approach to the situation can change as well. But there is a way, I mean, through, I mean, can he get paid? Can he play this out the entire season? I I mean, I know you got to come off after four weeks of PUP, but is there a way that they can leverage getting paid for the season and not doing anything for a team that apparently he loathes right now? I'll double check on this, but my understanding is, you know, the, the collective bargaining agreement is written in Greek, but my reading of it and my understanding of it is he has to, he has to actually make it to the active roster for for a period of time, you know, to to get the season to count. So that's so the clock is, is ticking. Yeah, there is a there is a clock in that regard, right? So, so but yeah. right now, both both sides are basically just they're biding their time right now. That's what they're doing. Uh, Mark writes this: their roster is the bottom quartile of the bottom quartile of NFL ooh, rosters. Ooh, ooh. Zing. I'm going to leave that one alone. That's the catch for itself. <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate you. There was a lot to go through right there. I don't even know. We didn't even touch on the offensive line because they have no depth there either. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that when they got the four spot on the waiver wire? That thing's going to be as active as any four spot in the history of four spots, I would have to think. Listen, I was just waiting to see, are they going to actually keep 53 players? <laughs> so, <laughs> they actually found 53, so that's a that's progress. That's well, was just saying, yeah, you guys talk about wide receivers, I'm going to keep four. How do you like that? Talk about wide receivers some more. Great. <laughs> and we will. <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate you. All right, guys. I'll see you. It's uh, Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. Good Lord. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Podline, every Tuesday right here in the 4 o'clock hour from Pro Football Focus, Brad Spielberger joins us. So you were on hold and heard the latest news regarding Jonathan Taylor. Um, that's what I had talked about ultimately was was going to happen and it kind of prolongs the soap opera agony uh, ag, agony i should say around here but uh surprise you at all and what do you think is is the common theme the thought moving forward with this particular move brad yeah no not particularly surprising that he remains on the roster uh, i do think it's a bit interesting now the fact that he stays on the pup list and misses a month. If anything, that's going to make a potential trade even harder. You know, as a team that's effectively getting three-quarters of the season, going to be willing to have that conversation again. What does it look like when he does come off the PUP list? So a lot of questions there. But ultimately, you know, I just never saw a scenario where a team was willing to give up significant draft capital and then give Taylor the contract he's seeking, you know, in the current running back market, uh, which we saw all offseason was about as bad as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> and for people around here, Brad, like I mentioned this at the top of the show. There are a lot of Colts fans that just want to be done with it. Now, that's not how you work a business like this. Don't get me wrong, but they just wanted to see this moved on. Um, and in this case, it kind of seems like this was a lot 
of what the Colts thought they were going to end up having to do all along. That makes sense to you? Yeah, no, it does. And I, and I get that people want to, you know, move on from it. It, it is interesting as well, you know, just what the injury situation is. I know you and I spoke last week. I'll tell you this now. I mean, there's no question there's something going on if he's going to remain on the PUP list for a month. There's no, you know, fake injury or anything like that going on here. Not that we thought there was in the first place. But, yeah, I mean, it's also interesting. I guess you did have Cream Hunt in for a visit last week, but – you know, move on from Kenyon Drake. So is, is it Evan Hull? Is it Zach Moss? You know, they don't even seem particularly pressed about the situation. Um, and, and you're going to want to have a good running game, you know, with Anthony Richardson's legs also being a factor. Yeah. Kind of wonder, too, what they may try to pick up as far as running backs is concerned. I, I, I said this. If you're not going to at all try to create – a situation to where you can bring in a guy when healthy that is among the elite runners in the NFL, which is certainly, Brad, necessary for this team right now, going where they're going. If you're not going to do that, there's no reason to bring Kareem Hunt in here. I mean, why just go with you know the, the proverbial guys off the street, guys you invested in, at least in the shorter term? And guys off the street, why would you, you know, want to mess with a guy like Kareem Hunt? I know he's a name from the past, but production-wise, it hasn't been there. And you get all this other stuff also along with it. I don't know why you would screw with that. I think right now you're just going to see some names that, you know, maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't. But it's not going to be anything earth-shattering at that position, I don't believe. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, I do like the rookie Evan Hall. I think he's probably more of a third-down back early on in his career and then you have Zach Moss on the early downs. And look, Moss was, was productive, you know, following the trade from Buffalo last year. I'm with you. You hear names, the people that recognize guys from their fantasy football draft five years ago. You just have good bodies in there, solid football players, some younger players develop. I, I think they'll be all right. Brett Spielberger of PFF with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So you may have had a thought regarding the Colts with a healthy and participating Jonathan Taylor this season. Um, and I'm assuming that that thought has changed now that at least it's going to be the first four weeks of the season, no Taylor and where the Colts are right now. How much has that changed your thought on overall wins and possibilities to be competitive from front to back on the schedule this year? Yeah, it's particularly tough just because I actually think, you know, you always hear every year about how a running back helps a rookie quarterback and yada, yada, yada. I think Anthony Richardson also would have helped Jonathan Taylor just as much in creating more stress on defenses, creating more open rushing lanes, you know, being able to do zone read and different things together, but also just the constant threat on RPOs and things of that nature of always knowing we have to have a spy, we have to have someone that accounts for Anthony Richardson holding on to this football. Um, and so I think the two of them really would have just been a nightmare for opposing defenses. So, you know, you mentioned the schedule off the top. Obviously, Jaguars game is a tough one, whether or not he's there. You know, overall, though, I think it really is just a developmental season. Get the offensive line playing better. See what young players like Josh Downs can do, a healthy Jelani Woods, and so on and so forth. Um, I, you know, I, realistically, I don't think they were going to win a whole lot of football games either way. To Brad Spielberger, a PFF with us. All right, let's look around the landscape of the NFL for a moment as well. Any of these cuts surprise you? Uh, anybody that's kept on a team surprise you whatsoever? The path in which they're going in Arizona right now compared to you know what you thought they might have been? Talk a little bit about what you have heard so far, what you have seen so far, and some of these expectations as we close in 
week number one of the 2023 season? Yeah, really have not been a ton of surprises thus far. I think maybe one of the bigger ones, uh, Bradley Roby, the cornerback with New Orleans Saints, who I think has inside-outside flexibility, can do a lot of good things on the football field. Um, it looks like they're going to go with Elante Taylor, the third-round pick from last season instead at starting slot. But, you know, I think he's still a capable player, can, can help a lot of secondaries, you know, maybe Indianapolis included. But for the most part, it, it really has been kind of as expected – you know, small trades, small swaps here and there, but but no surprises thus far. Nah, not really at all. Hey, any surprise teams you have? I mentioned this a little bit earlier, too. And I don't know how on board anybody is with me, Brad, as far as this is concerned. It's not because I'm a, like an uber fan of Sean Payton by any stretch. I think Denver struggles out of the gate. And then Sean Payton takes, you know, some heat because of what he said once he arrived at camp about the previous regime. And then I think they kind of get it and start winning some football games as we get to the middle portion of the season. That, to me, is going to be one of my surprises. Uh, Who among those names might be yours? Yeah, I mean, look, I like Sean Payton as well. I I don't mind that pick at all. I think one for me, and their division's so, so tough, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, on paper, looking like a really good roster. And, And if Kenny Pickett can take that step this year with an awesome rookie class where it sounds like pretty much every player, you know, in that class, is going to be a potential starter and, and a high-level player, you know, out of the gate, at least relative to rookie production. So as much as I like Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland, I think Pittsburgh's defense, you see last year, a strong unit without T.J. Watt. You throw him back into the mix. And then their offensive line last year was their biggest issue. I love adding Isaac Samalo. I like Jack Jones in the first round, uh, and so on and so forth. I, I just think they have a ton of upside potential to get back in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I look at that, um, and obviously you look around the, the AFC South within the uh, Colts' home division right here, and you look at you know, the Titans, you look at the Jaguars, and a lot is on the Jaguars' shoulders, but much like the Colts, the Texans are starting also a rookie quarterback in week number one in C.J. Stroud. Among these three rookies, uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, which one of the three would you suggest would have the better season moving forward? I think the best rookie season probably will be Bryce Young. Uh, you, you know, I think the coaching staff they brought into place, not even just Frank Reich as head coach, you know, D.C., Jero Vero, who's a very good coach as well. But you, you bring in this this core around him um, it, it, with Jim Caldwell, a former head coach who, who's in the building. It, the offensive line, I think, once healthy with Austin Corbett at guard, is a pretty solid unit. And I don't love the pass catchers, but I think they're good enough once you get D.J. Chark back from his injury. So, you know, I think it really just comes down to the supporting cast, everything around him, and then also just my perception of his NFL readiness. I love his pocket presence. I love his poise. I think he'll have the best rookie season of that trio. Yeah, I think most people will probably point the finger to that as well. Um, among the teams that you believe are going to be front runners to start this season, and you mentioned kind of a surprise of the Steelers. I think I'm on board with you with that as well. Obviously, you think Kansas City is going to be there. Philadelphia should be a major player. Two teams representing in the Super Bowl a year ago. What are your thoughts about San Francisco? NFC title game, and obviously made a lot of noise, spent a lot of draft capital on Trey Lance, uh, traded him for a fourth rounder at the end of this past week to Dallas, but still John Lynch and company survive because they win football games in a much different fashion than a lot of others win football games. They able to sustain, maybe take a step further in the NFC this year. 
Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a bad NFC conference, so I still think they're in the top three, a clear top three with them. You mentioned Philadelphia, and then I think Dallas is in that class. And then I think, frankly, it's a massive drop-off to, you know, Detroit, Seattle, a couple other teams in that range. So, yeah, I do. I think because they're still just better in the trenches than most football teams, regardless of conference. And then their weapons are so good on the outside with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, et cetera, that as long as Brock Purdy comes back and his, you know, his elbow isn't bothering him, I think they are, you know, going to make the playoffs and maybe take that step further like you mentioned but in part, you know, frankly, because the NFC just is really lacking a lot of talent compared to the AFC. He is Brad Spielberger of PFF on the Taylor situation and more here in Indy via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What are you writing about here before I cut you loose? Yeah, so we're covering every single move going on right now, and I'm going to be writing up all the best players that got cut today. Which team could they benefit the most? Uh, looks like Bailey Zappi just got weighed by the Patriots, which is interesting. So we're covering it all over at PFF.com. All right, Brad, I appreciate you. We'll do it again next week. Sounds great. Thank you. Brad Spielberger of PFF, in case you missed it, no deal. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Mandy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Are you uh, out there in the world of everyday work just uh, hanging on the edge of waiting for what in the world is going to happen with Jonathan Taylor by 4 o'clock news? Uh, no, I am not. I am I am pumping my gas at 49th and 10. So <laughs> I would say I am going about my everyday activities and then we'll happy to be in the know once I'm informed. All right. Quickly, before I get to the stuff that really matters, does this gas station at 49th and Penn, it, does it have a solid and above solid convenience store? Oh, it has an exceedingly nice convenience store. Uh, at the risk of a free plug, it is the Circle K, right. which they just redid in the last couple of years. And uh, as local convenience stores, stores go, I would say it is glorious, John. Try to think. I, I set the bar pretty high. There's a BP at 144. You can hardly see it now because of the exit right there and the wall that has been built. But there is a BP at 144 and I-69 that has a, a Charlie Biggs chicken place in it that is glorious. Absolutely glorious as a, well, a convenience store is concerned. This isn't exactly a Bucky's that I'm telling you from, you know, from Meridian sure. Kessler. Uh, but having stopped at that BP on my way back from Memphis yeah. in July, that is a fine convenience store, and I would say this one is of a similar ilk as that one. All right. If you were a uh, betting person, what would you wager is going to be the outcome, at least in the moment, in the now, for Jonathan Taylor here at 4 o'clock? In the moment, Jonathan Taylor is a member of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, there is always a potential for a deal before or at the trade deadline. Um, I'm not sure if this imposed deadline really means much for either side. So my wager would be is that he is potentially an unhappy Indianapolis Colt by the end of the afternoon. Think he remains on PUP? I don't know about that. This is where the Colts, you know, may try to force his hand a little bit, or maybe there is an agreement that, if he stays on, on the PUP list, that they'll look for another trade partner, whatever the case may be. I honestly don't have a good read on that. But, again, I would just tend to wager that he is still on this roster as of uh, after 
you know, 20-something minutes from now. That's uh, Greg Rakestraw. He did, obviously, the play-by-play with Coach TV, uh, moving up through the preseason, the first two preseason games, and then uh, set out uh, the third one, only uh, certainly doing the uh, post-game show on the radio. Greg's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Any surprises so far to you? I mean, a lot of the veterans, they brought in some veteran receivers. Uh, did not stick. Uh, veteran tight end Pharaoh Brown just got released. Did not stick. Anything in your mind surprise you, interest you? Because really, and I don't know if it's overwhelmed, swamped, if you will, by the Jonathan Taylor stuff right now, but there really hadn't been much of interest, I think, so far. And I think that has largely been the way that you could describe the preseason as a whole. Yeah. You know, there have been two or three stories, and understandably so that have just blotted out the sun compared to everything else. You know, in a normal training camp, there's always a guy or two. You go, man, that guy's really been impressive. He's going to make the roster. You know, like a player like a Saguna Luby maybe immediately comes to mind of that ilk. But when you have a new quarterback and the the who's going to start status is in question at least up until a couple of weeks ago, then you have Shaquille Leonard's return, and I'm not taking these in, in order of importance. And then you have the Jonathan Taylor story, that's just that sucks all the oxygen out of the room. There's really kind of nothing else to talk about. And so in terms of the you know veterans that were brought in to give them a chance to kind of make the roster, it wasn't like any of them, for the most part, largely flashed and say, man, you got to have that guy. And, and this team seems to be at a crossroads of, you know what, if anything else, let's play the young guys and let's yeah. see what happens to kind of know exactly where you are. So – I'm not surprised that those that came in, and, and, and that was that was a, a theme of this group, was to bring in more guys that seemingly had NFL experience than, say, just your run-of-the-mill undrafted free agents. There are a handful of those guys, not a lot of them. Uh, but, but, again, I think the overarching theme of this team right now is going to be Let's play the young guys and see exactly where they are and let them learn on the job. What would you see in doing the play-by-play in those two games, Greg, of some of the young guys? Give me a couple of names that stuck out to you in those games you called. Well, again, so much of the focus. Now, I didn't get to see Anthony Richardson, obviously, in game number two. But in game number one, that was virtually everything that we were talking about. you know. And, and then it became a matter of, all right, Gardner Minshew, when he had a opportunity to play, and, and how did he look? Uh, and, and things like that. You know, the young guys who didn't say that much of Juju Brents because he was injured, and, and I think Daryl Baker has surpassed him temporarily as far as that starting cornerback spot. You know, it was certainly notable that Josh Downs got reps before Isaiah McKenzie did, uh, and, and so that would stand out. Um, you know, of, of the third-day guys, because of the opportunity in front of him, Evan Hall's going to get probably a lot more reps and a lot more playing time than we had thought he would. And Jalen Jones, I, I think being a seventh-round pick, I think he's going to help this team both defensively and special teams. So, again, even even in quote-unquote the young guy category, again, so much energy, and rightfully so, so much energy gets focused on, on, on the fourth overall pick in the draft that even takes away the spotlight from everybody else. Uh, that was a draft pick of the Colts at the end of April. He is uh, Greg Rakestraw with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Of course, switching gears to college football, both IU and Purdue um, off to starts coming up this weekend, too. And uh, you, you got a feeling who's going to end up getting the starting nod for Tom Allen in Bloomington against Ohio State? I really don't at, at this point, to be honest. Because, because he didn't say it's Taven, do you think it's going to be Soresby instead? Would he have uh, said yeah. it was Taven? You would think so, uh, but but again, 
because it is Ohio State, I tend to be of the, of the opinion of I'm not sure that it matters. Um, you know, this, this isn't Indiana State or directional Michigan or whomever, William & Mary, that you want to bring in. This is freaking Ohio State. Uh, and so anyone that's like not named Antoine Randall L. or Michael Penix I'm not sure what the chances of the Hoosiers are, frankly, coming up uh, this weekend. Now, what about Purdue at home against a formidable foal in Fresno State? You know, this this is all about Ryan Walters making the adjustment, you know, from kind of one step over. Um, you know, did a very good job that, that netted him a head coaching position in the Big Ten at Illinois. But now that you're the guy that's overseeing everything, how quickly can you make that transition? In other words, there's going to be some mistakes you would assume from the coaching staff because it is kind of a younger staff. Um, you know, from a player standpoint, obviously a lot of turnover, but like virtually everybody else, you're bringing in veterans, just like Purdue has done at the quarterback position. There's obviously no quarterback controversy in terms of West Lafayette. But is there going to be an adjustment for the head coach being a first-time head coach at this level? We'll see that play out come Saturday afternoon. Ken, Hudson Card, and I hesitate to say this. I'm not trying to compare the two whatsoever. Only the geography comparison I'm making here. But could he stir some Drew Brees echoes, offensively speaking, with that group in West Lafayette this year? If he has a year that is even in the vicinity of oh, anything. I knew I shouldn't did. have said it. I knew I shouldn't have said it. I knew it. <laughs> If, he, if, if, if if we can even bring him up in the same conversation <laughs> after a couple of weeks, after a couple of months, yeah. it's going to be a heck of a year in West Lafayette. We're through two weeks of the high school football season. Stands out to you. Uh, it, to me, and this is it, and I haven't seen any of the games. I've just you know noticed the final scores, and I have been observing and talking to folks like you about it. It seems like that there's a lot of, and this is not a, uh, a right term to use evenness seems like everybody's on a fairly even plane to start the season so far to me really on all levels how about you Dignity would be the fancy word to say that yeah. uh, there john um and here's here's what strikes me i think the hoosier crossroads conference is really good and, and some of the teams that have been towards the back end of that league seemingly have pretty good teams this year you know i think noblesville is better i saw fishers on friday night Pike, Pike hung with Zionsville in week one, and Fishers thumped them in week number two. Franklin Central is, is clearly better, having beaten Ron Colley, who is down. I, I think there are some of the traditional powers that are a little bit down. You know, this is, that, that was a loaded senior class that just left Ron Colley. You know, New Pal he still has a chance to make a decent den in 4A, but you know, getting beat by a very good 6A team in Westfield, uh, a, a solid 5A team in Decatur Central, Kyle Ralph's bunch, they'll figure it out in their conference, uh, no doubt about it. But they maybe aren't, you know, one of the top 10, 15 teams in the state the way they have been a handful of times over the course of the last few years. So some traditional powers are a bit down. Uh, others are going to be just fine. But what has struck me, and if you look at their results against other teams, the Hoosier Crossroads Conference is set to have a really good year, and there will be some absolute wars because they're – there might be one team that I would classify as down from that league. Everybody else seems to have a pretty good uh, pretty good game plan put together for weeks three through nine. You mentioned FC and Ron Colley, and you made the call before the start of the season with the, the success that you expected from the Jason West Coast 
coached team. And uh, so far, uh, that's on the mark, especially. And I know that Ron Colley's not certainly the same as it was a year ago, but impressive nonetheless on Friday. And, and again, you know, that, I'm not sure what their record will end up being because of the quality and caliber of teams they play for the next seven weeks in the HCC. But Center Grove fans will tell you, FC gave them a battle last year in the sectional. And that sectional, and again, no, it's just the geography of it, you know, Center Grove's usually had a couple of three weeks off, you know, just kind of start the postseason. One, the bye week, and then two, you know, waltzing through whomever they were going to play in sectional number eight. Center Grove's still really good, as evidenced by their bounce-back victory last Friday night. But I think they're well aware uh, it is not a cakewalk in Sectional 8 because, again, not surprisingly, give Jason West a couple of years, he'll figure some things out down there. So, Greg Gregstra with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'll cut you loose here. So, still a member of the Colts, according to you. I say that's the case, and he's going to get paid while being on PUP and will prolong the agony of many around here. I would guess. <laughs> what, is, what is the theme of the show? I, I, I know you're. I know you're. You're live on yeah. location. What are we doing for the show well, on Saturday night? I thought I would do a tri-decade thing. I thought I would go seventies, eighties, and nineties because if I were, and I don't know what you think about this, if I were at a party that I thought was going to be a humdinger, an epic kind of party like this is going to be over the weekend, especially on Saturday night on location. I, I think we need to probably take some bits and pieces from each decade. You think that's fair? I think that's fair. So when I phone in after hopefully another Indy 11 win on Saturday night at about 9.35, 9.40, what genre should I focus on? Um, You can try to make it easy, I guess, because um, AJ is going to be running things back there, and I haven't quite figured out yet how I will be talking to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be running things. But I would, I would guess if you went with something nice from the 80s right there, something inspirational from the 80s, I think everybody would be happy. Beaver Satara, got it. Okay, all right, John. Appreciate that. I'll, I'll take what you said literally to call in and ask for Peter Satara to kick off Labor Day weekend. Oh, you could do that and make everybody happy. All right, 49th and Penn, the Circle K. It's at the top of the list of convenience stores, according to Greg Rakestraw, who knows them almost all. As good, almost as good as the IGA you did a remote from during my days as a program. Do you director. remember that? Of course I do. I don't forget things, John. You know that. That was that was a glorious time. I was right next to where they were selling cigarettes and lottery tickets. But, uh, that sounds very much like an IGA experience <laughs> to me, John. <laughs> that was the, what was that, Bucks? I think they're at that Troy. Was, Troy and uh, Meridian. Troy, exactly where yeah, it was. God, yes, great. It was a great time right there. All right. That's the site of the next JMB Takeover Remote is some random IGA in like West Central Indiana. I mean, well, I mean, it hit the spot because I think everybody knows how much in love I am with IGAs. So big yep. time. So Brown anyway. County IGA, we're coming your way. You got it. Thanks, buddy. See ya.